0: It's time for JT the Brick. The years are ticking off, JT. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter who you're playing. You know, you got to show up and you got to play at the highest level. You're not going to win in this league. JT the Brick.
1: Hey, Raider Nation, let that sink in. Since 2018, he has 25 interceptions. Raider fans go crazy around here when a guy gets two for the entire season. Anytime, JT. And hi to all my uh, Raider fans out there and go Raiders.
0: And now... Here's JT the Brick.
1: Hour number two, JT with you. Live and excited to be here as we get you rolling. Brought to you by Modelo. The fighting spirit of Modelo, the cerveza that I drink, the cerveza, the bucket I have on Fridays, and the remotes that we're doing with Modelo. We thank Modelo for their proud partnership. With our show, our conversation with the head coach of UNLV football, Marcus Arroyo, in about 20 minutes. And we're looking to hear from Raider fans on two massive topics, Dana White's comments on Tom Brady and Gronk potentially becoming Raiders, and the fact that the Raiders have the Patriots in town. And what do you think about that? You can go back to the tuck rule. You can go through the matchup. They're going to play each other later in the season. The fact that Bill Belichick's here, and Bill Belichick basically said this is the greatest facility he's ever seen, college or pro. Bill Belichick said that about the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So that's where we're going, hour number two of the show. Tomorrow, I'm confirmed, I'll be out there at practice. We'll be broadcasting from there and really pumped up about that. 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. Uh, Bobby, let's play the Dana White sound one more time. Dana White was on the Gronkast on his UFC card, and out of nowhere, no one expected to hear from this. I mean, this was a shockwave across media in all platforms when Dana White suggested that he had a deal in place that would have brought Brady and Gronk back in 2020 to Las Vegas to be Raiders. I I worked to put that deal together
2: for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders. And it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want them, And whoa, all hell broke loose, man. It, It was crazy and... And, and Brady was already looking at houses, and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. So Las Vegas would have had Brady and Gronk the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl, except Gruden blew the deal up. And there's so much story that goes along with this behind the scenes.
1: I think that's interesting. I wish whoever edited that didn't screw it up and left in the Gronk comment, where Gronk says, yeah, I agree with all of that. That's really being the hook. I apologize to that. And so Gronk agrees with that. And then Brady on the shop on HBO kind of reiterated that there was a team that was close bringing him in. So I think you could assume that's the Raiders or maybe or maybe, maybe it's Miami. So let's play that cut of Tom Brady and what Brady had to say.
2: One of the teams and they weren't interested at the very end. I was thinking
1: you're sticking with that. mother. (laughs) So that's Tom Brady. You're sticking with that. Now, I want to tell tell you something here. I'm pretty, I thought from the beginning that he was talking about Tyrod Taylor. I really do. I thought that Brady's best fit was going to be the Chargers. Now, the Chargers are a badly run organization. And the Chargers, you know, before the Justin Herbert deal, if you look back at Justin Herbert and the move and all of this, Justin Herbert's a great player. Derek Carr, I think, is a great player. But Brady could have came to California. It was going to be either the Niners and the Niners, You know, with Garoppolo, that just didn't make as much sense to me. But I always thought the Chargers and the Rams, this is before Matthew Stafford, if you remember, Brady playing at the brand-new SoFi Stadium would have been interesting. So when Brady made that comment initially, I thought he was talking about Tyrod Taylor, and I said that on this show and my other show I did. But now I think you could tie the knot that says that he was just exaggerating and he was taking a shot at Derek Carr. And I don't think Derek thinks that's a big deal. I mean, Derek's a man's man. He's not worried about that stuff. And Brady's a guy who plays to the cameras, and Brady changes his opinion from time to time. But Tom Brady is two different guys. Do we all get this, everybody? Tom Brady's two different guys. The guy, the Tom Brady, the TB12, the guy in the documentary, and then the Tom Brady that's letting the Dolphins tamper with him, and the Tom Brady who's involved in Deflategate, and the Tom Brady who's involved with maybe going to the Raiders. So he's got two different personas there, and we're starting to realize that more and more. Uh, good topics to talk about today. Jump on the phone, 702-365-9200. Let's begin this hour and get out to Anthony. He's in Minnesota listening on the Ra- Raiders mobile app. What's happening?
3: Hey, thank you, JT. Actually driving up the East Coast right now, but hey, I appreciate your show. I got a few thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, that comment you just made about Brady, I was thinking that before you played that sound clip that you were talking about all the whole time. I know cars mentioned about talking with Brady and being friendly, but I'm a little old school, and maybe this goes against the grain of most fans. I'm a diehard Raider fan, but I, I, I live and die. At first, it was Gruden and Carr. Now Gruden's gone, and we've got you know a new coach. So I'm loving it all that. But I like to win with our players. I do go back to that tuck roll, that that tuck rule. I was at a party in Fremont, California. Fifty of my friends there. That play lit up with Woodson getting the ball, the strip stack, and I'm like, yeah. And next thing you know, that whole thing happened. Now, I'm telling you, the most respect for Brady, the GOAT, and this is me saying that, but I don't want to have it be like the Warriors where all of a sudden, if we win or whatever it is, we say, oh, we couldn't win without him. I don't ever want to live that down. And so, anyway, but getting on that, you know, back on subject here, it kind of also about the, about the uh, O-line. Mm-hmm. I'm at a point where I have no problem with the coaching doing and I have a lot of trust, but I'm nervous as a fan. Who knows nothing, really. But I feel like, can't we get this line solidified and get them playing a little bit together to jail, My worry is, okay, we're going to go, in, it seems like, until we hear these practices and the next game, obviously, that we're going to go into the first week or two with being okay that we still take off some of the rust, so to speak. And as a layman, as a fan, I'm worried about that. Can we not get these people put in a certain position where we're going to go with them? But, hey, what do I know? So well, that's my biggest fear is kind of, you know, tiptoeing through the first game or two and tripping over ourselves a little bit. Maybe you can talk about that. Thank
1: you. Well, I think that's a really important point. I think that's where we're at. You know, the fact that Josh McDaniels has all these different looks up front, that's out of a necessity. Josh McDaniels isn't going into all these games going, hey, move Dylan Parnum from center to right guard to left guard, move him around, move Illuminor from left tackle to right tackle because he's just looking to have fun. He's doing it out of necessity. And the practices here are going to tell you everything. So hopefully tomorrow when I come off the field and, you know, some of the insiders come on with us, whatever we're going to do, we'll be able to chart and say, well, who went up against the ones of the Patriots? And then after Tuesday and Wednesday, we come out of that and say, well, this is what it looks like. This is what the starting offensive line could look like more than ever. And then remember, some of those guys are still going to have to play. You got to have bodies out there against the Patriots. You got a Legion stadium almost sold out for a preseason game. You're going to have to put a product out on the field, so the offensive linemen are going to play, I'll then Colt Miller, and then after that game. So everybody, follow me here on your phones, unless you're driving. If you take a look at your calendar here, and you get to this in August, they're going to play on Friday night, August 26th, and then the Raiders don't play till September 11th. So that is a long time from the evening from the evening of August 26th. So start on the 27th. And then count all those days, you know, 12-plus days, they don't have to play. So every day they're going to be practicing. They're going to be practicing with their starting offensive line against Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. How, how much time do you need? I mean, look, you'd like the guys to be playing three or four years together, but as Raider Mort, the legendary, iconic Raider fan, tells me, Gene Upshaw and Art Shell ain't walking through that door. Jim Otto... Ain't walking through that door. You, you got to go with these guys. And I, I've been around 24 years with the teams. as coaches. They come and go. They bring in their guys. And Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are kind of looking at the guys that are already here, signing the All-Stars to extensions, Matt Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Derek Carr, going with the guys they like a lot. It looks like they love Nate Hobbs, right? Nate Hobbs is a hell of a player. I don't know what they think of Trayvon Mullen. No idea. I mean, if, if he doesn't get out of the tub and he doesn't play more, he's not going to be here. He knows that, so that should give Trayvon Mullen the ability to play well. Jonathan Abram, everything he's done right, everything. So maybe Jonathan Abram is winning it over or not. I think we could all assume Dave and Josh like Trayvon Merrig in center field seems to be a really good, young, free safety. And we know Chandler Jones they brought in and Max Crosby they extended. And they brought in Bilal Nichols. So there are a lot of guys here. Perryman was already here. He was a pro bowler. Why get rid of him? But Josh Jacobs, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Hello? Hello? They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So he's got something to prove. And everything else is set other than the offensive line. Carr set. Jared Stidham set. Waller is under contract for two more years, we forget, this year and next year. One of the best tight ends in football. Renfro, extended. Devonte traded for what am i missing carlson and cole i think they're dave ziggler guys so there's only a few more position groups and most of it seems to be on the offensive line that we got to figure out here and i've done this again we've been doing this a while together there were years where the raiders had no linebackers none N- none that was going to even continue to compete for a pro Bowl. but they brought out the same linebackers every year and i was like what are you doing i'm sitting in oakland on the sidelines going who are these linebackers? They can't cover. And they come back next year. Well, that doesn't work. you got to get better players. And Dave Ziegler, from getting to know him, is going to get better players every year unless the players he has are so good, he's not going to look at another position battle. He's just going to stay with his guys. Always good to hear from Raider Dave in Denver on the Raiders mobile app. Hello, Dave.
0: Hey, thank you very much. I got a few different points. I didn't hear your entire interview last hour, but... Um, I I do believe that the uh, Gruden deal was a godsend that he did not say yes to this. Can you imagine where we would have been without Gruden, without Brady, without Gronk going into this season or next season? The whole thing would have just been blown up. We would have been 10 years behind, even worse than we were for the Carson Palmer trade. (laughs) So move forward as far as I can tell. I don't even want to talk about this thing anymore because it didn't happen. It wasn't going to happen. He wanted too much money, and it was a good decision to not let it happen. As far as Leatherwood goes, I just sat in my favorite haunt, eating some lunch and watching the third quarter of the Raider game. I dare you to go ahead and watch any film and see any other Raider player in that game hurling grown men to the ground in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. Leatherwood is a strong dude, and I think his footwork, he can get out of balance, but as far as the run game goes, you're right. At guard, it is solid. And another thing is on Saturday night, I sat down with a pineapple and I watched the Dallas and Charger game. Mm -hmm. Did you see how that Dallas team that couldn't do anything in Denver just gutted the rush defense with the run game or uh, the Chargers? Man, I cannot wait to see these Raiders run for 140 against that team on 35 minutes of of time of possession and throttle them 27-13. You know, the other person I do see, and I want to say something about is Van Velkenberg or whatever, 54. That guy's got a motor. He was everywhere, you know, the other night against the Dolphins. I really hope he ends up staying. But you're right about a lot of these things, and I appreciate you coming on and saying what you say and being as vocal as you can about it because it makes a difference here in Raider Nation the way we look at these things.
1: Yeah, thank you. And Bauer played great. I know, Dave, thanks for the call. You called in on the post game show. You know, one of the things that I do is on Sunday when I finish the post game show, and I'm doing the post game show this year mostly solo, Eric's got some TV. Is my Sunday Raider postgame show is kind of my Raider Monday show. What are the fans saying Sunday who watch the game who are calling in impassionate right after the game for about an hour? And I get a really good feel about what I'm going to talk about on Monday. And then I do that Sirius XM show and it's more of a national show. But if a Raider fan or two calls in, you get a good vibe on what they're thinking about. And I think most Raider fans are in a pretty good spot here. That Dana White story broke out of nowhere. So that story popped out of nowhere, and everybody's like, whoa, what would have happened? For me as a broadcaster, for me as a broadcaster and a radio host, if I had any chance to work alongside Tom Brady for a year or two, would it have been unique? Yeah, it'd be damn interesting to say that. But Derek Carr, I hosted the Derek Carr show in 2016 when he won 12 games. And I think I built something good with Derek here. It's not perfect. It's not perfect with everyone with Derek, but we're all trying to see him win. And everybody believes he can win. I don't know many insiders and people that say, you know, the Raiders can't win with Derek Carr. I get that from a fan every once in a while. Yeah, I'll be having a a beer at the black hole or, you know, a tailgate party and someone will tell me, you know, I don't think we can win with Derek. You know, I don't think we can win a Super Bowl with him. And I go, well, you know, that's your opinion. I disagree. I think that Derek's good enough to throw for 4,500 yards. Rich Gannon said on the broadcast 5,000 yards if he had that protection. And then win a playoff game. He's led the Raiders to the playoffs twice. The year he broke his ankle, and last year. And last year, they had first and goal at the nine with an opportunity to beat the AFC champs eventually in Cincinnati. Do I think that Derek can do that again? Yeah. The problem for Derek this year, and Derek doesn't have built in excuses, but fans do. And the excuses that the fans have for Derek this year is the schedule's tough. Well, it's been tough, it's always tough. And then he doesn't have a great offensive line. And Raider fans know how good of an offensive line Daryl LaMonica, Jim Plunkett, and Ken Stabler had, and Rich Gannon. Let me repeat. Let me put that in a promo in 3, 2, and 1. All legendary and great Raider quarterbacks have had better offensive lines than Derek Carr. That is fact, not fiction. But now Derek in his ninth year has got to win until he has an all-pro offensive line. He doesn't have that. I think that Dave Ziegler is going to improve it for him. It might take a year or two until he has the quality of players that Derek looks at and says, wow, I got Colton Miller in the Pro Bowl. I got this guard in the Pro Bowl. I got my center in the Pro Bowl. That's what Stabler had. Did we forget? That's what the snake had. Did you see who Rich Gannon had with Mo Collins and Lincoln Kennedy and Barrett Robbins And, and what they had with that left and right side of the line? Rich had a good offensive line. Derek has not. He's had some okay offensive linemen, but they haven't been great. And this year, I don't think it's going to be great other than Colton Miller. And hopefully one or two of these guys surprise us. 702 9200 Man, I feel like I've done like a four-hour show. <laughs> Bobby, get on the mic. I feel like I've been on for four hours in an hour and 16 minutes. Are you with me? Does it feel that way for you?
3: I'm still working on Saturday. I swear. It's Saturday never ended. I went from Saturday to Sunday to Monday. The, the days just keep following together. What
1: What'd you have a do you have an aviator game or something you had to mix in there? That I didn't know about. Yeah, I yeah, had the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders, aviators,
3: aces are in the playoffs. Oh
1: yes, congratulations to Mark Davis and the Aces. They don't play till Sunday, Bobby. Did you see that? They don't play. Yeah. <laughs> they don't play till Sunday yeah. in the next round of that. So we're gonna have a good week here with Mark and the Raiders, and then the Mark's gonna come off this and go right into the Aces. That's an interesting schedule there. Well, it's what do you expect? I mean, they swept Phoenix in two games. Done. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting how this uh, schedule goes. I couldn't believe that when I saw the new schedule hit last night. All right, 7023659200. We'd like to hear from you on Dana White's comments and Alex Leatherwood. Simplifying it, making it simplified down the funnel in the portal. Dana White's comments on getting Tom Brady here with Gronk or what to do with Alex Leatherwood. I say just move him to right guard, pat him on the back and say this is your position, get after it. We'll go get another right tackle. Or do you have to have him ready to play right tackle in case you can't get the offensive lineman through waivers and cut down? Don't know, but I know Dave Ziegler's the guy to handle it. 702-365-9200. Also, my conversation with Marcus Arroyo, head coach of UNLV. Really cool and loyal of him to come on over to Virgin Hotels and sit down with me. He's got one of the coolest coaching trees you could have. His coaching tree is rock solid. We'll get to that coming up as we're brought to you by Resorts World. Well, man, they had a lot of rock and roll there this weekend. Eight cigar Lounge, Carver Steak. Head on out to Resorts World and see the vision of Scott Sabella.
4: Hunter, long motion towards the center. Now back towards the right. Raiders come with four. Here
0: comes the fifth rusher, and he's sacked to Sean Bauer. Had him around the waist. Goes to his right knee, a circle, and a pump fist, and the Raiders' defense holds on fourth down.
1: Jason Horowitz on the call alongside Lincoln Kennedy. JT back with you. Nice call there. Bauer played well. Tremendous motor, sideline to sideline. You're trying to evaluate linebackers. Edge rushers, all of that going up against preseason talent. Well, a lot of guys on the field, the preseason talent trying to make an NFL roster. And the Raiders got a safety in the game. A defensive touchdown was stolen from them. We'll get through some of the highlights before we wrap up the show. But the key that most people care about is how healthy are the Raiders? How healthy are they after these practices and games? And are they getting better? And I think that is the case. If you want to be very critical, which people are today of the offensive line, the bull rush against Leatherwood, uh, some of the speed rushes around the edge are a concern because that's Jared Stidham and Nick Mullins who just got traded. If that's Derek Carr and Derek Carr gets hit on his blind side, and I doubt he's going to get hit on his blind side at all because of Colt Miller, but if he sees the heat coming and he can't plant his feet and he's got to run for his life, well, he's nine years in the league. He's going to have to run for his life on a couple of plays, but hopefully the ball comes out a lot cleaner. That is the Patriot way. That is the Patriot way, and that's the way we'll talk about it and handle it. 702-365-9200 as we continue on. Lewis in Los Angeles. Lewis, how are you?
4: I'm good, JT. It's good to hear hear your voice. Mm. Hey, JT, a couple of things. One, uh, that offensive line, uh, yeah, we didn't have Colton Miller and a couple other guys, but it's still, to me, ranked – last
1: in the AFC West. Uh, AFC, I, I wouldn't argue I mean, that. I, I wouldn't argue that. that now. I think the Chiefs have more veterans up there. Denver's offensive line is good, and you know Kansas City's lost some players over the years, but there's no doubt that the Raiders don't have the top one and two offensive line in the AFC West. It's probably somewhere between three and four, no doubt.
4: Yeah, but and also pro football focus mm. got them – 26 or something, but but you said that Derek Carr never had a good offensive line. That is not true, um um JT. He he had some good. He had one one year, the 2016 offensive line in yeah. 2017. 2016 with, with was good. The, they were they were they had three pro, pro bowlers and Samuel. Um, they had.
1: Did we lose you? Hope we didn't lose you. Well, I, what I was doing, I was comparing. Thanks for the call. I was comparing Derek's offensive lines to the great offensive lines. So let me clarify that again, and I respect your opinion. Uh, Derek did not have an offensive line at any time in his career as good as Rich Cannon, Ken Stabler, Jim Plunkett, or Daryl LaMonica. Period. And and everybody knows that. Did he have a good offensive line in 2016? Yeah, Yeah, he did. That's a fair point, and I'll take that criticism on me. Donald Penn I'm a fan of. Uh, there was some good players up front there that could play, but overall it was not elite to the level that Snake had. And Snake was a guy that could stand back there like a statue. Snake could do a seven-step drop and stand and look and look and look for another second and a half, two seconds, because the offensive line was one of the greatest of all time. Uh, let's go out to Fresno, where we'll catch up with Raider Goose. What's happening, Goose? Hey,
5: what's up, JT? Doing hey, um, <clears> Hey. <throat> First time in a long time, I haven't been this excited for a Raider season. You know, we're Raider fans. We say it every year. It's like, mm-hmm. This season, this season is different. But before the preseason, that was before preseason. Preseason, I'm trying not to get over, uh, going over overstepping, thinking about uh, it's just preseason. I get it, mm-hmm. but you know, over 14 sacks in a couple games is not is not good. Especially with this is our starting starting linemen um, going against some mostly backups. It, it's not looking good. I, I say I say what you said. Uh, Leatherwood inside the right guard, leave him there. Just put him there for this week and, and uh, so on, and then put a on right right tackle and then and roll from there. You know, um, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. All these weapons on our offense don't mean jack if we can't block for uh, DC and oh, open holes for uh, Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs. Uh, I just saw I just saw the news that Raiders planning to release Kenny. Yep, just came down.
1: Yep, you know
5: we um, go for it. Yeah. I yeah, they have
1: Thank you. They have a deep enough running back room. I like Kenyon. Tom Pelasaro reporting 18 minutes ago. The Raiders plan to release veteran running back Kenyon Drake, per source. So that is out there now. To Sean Reed, a minute ago, Drake will have a dead money hit of 3.6 million this year and 4.4 next year. Raiders have plenty of cap space, but still not ideal. It's not ideal. And Kenyon Drake will be missed. Kenyon Drake, if Tom Pellicello's report is true, and as I always said, we'll wait to get an official call from the Raiders on this issue. But a lot of people thought that Kenyon Drake would be the last running back let go if it came down to the 53rd spot. And I think the Raiders will miss him on a critical third down when they need someone to run a wheel route or make a catch out of the backfield or make someone miss. But the Raiders are pretty confident with that running back room. I know that to be true from talking to coaches and the depth that they have there. 702-365-9200, 702 365 so I'm sure that's something Q will hit on uh, the possibility, it looks like, of the Raiders releasing running back Kenyon Drake, according to Tom Pellicero, who's a very good reporter, really good reporter from NFL Network. All right, let's continue on here. I had the opportunity to talk to UNLV coach Marcus Arroyo, which was real important to me because we're in Vegas I got this coach's back like I had the ones before. I want him to do well. I want UNLV football to win and be a respectable team in Division One college football. Hopefully they get it going in the Mountain West. He joined me Friday at Virgin Hotels in the main lobby for the Virgin Hotels podcast. We're back on the Virgin Hotels podcast episode two. Marcus Arroyo, kind enough to join us, the head coach of UNLV football. Coach, with your schedule, I greatly appreciate this. Yeah, no problem,
6: Joe. You got I could pop in or at the... Uh... Last day of camp, man, so it's pretty cool wrapping just things up.
1: Tell me about this camp compared to years past and why everything's clicking right now. What are you confident about?
6: Well, I mean, if you've done this long enough, you know that you go through, two, you go through a, a, another training camp besides the first one. And you just got guys have better acclimation. You know, they, they get more confidence. First of all, you've got a better group. You're deeper. You're bigger. You're stronger. You're more developed um we've got more depth we've added 30 guys to the roster so the way you practice is totally different um and i think just the comfort comfort level with the coaches you know Mm -hmm. on comfort level with the with the culture the structure right you know where to go know where to line up i mean you're not you know where the light switch is you know where to park (laughs) i mean there's a lot of stuff in year one man that you you take for granted and uh and i think in year two we've we've really uh we've really had fun in this camp and, and, and grinding our guys the right way and really getting a lot of ball done
1: Tell me about strength and conditioning. What did you tell your players who came back in the offseason, and what rewards did they bring back? Did you see the dedication and how they conditioned their bodies?
6: Yeah, we run a pretty uh, high-performance offseason. Um, from that last day after that Air Force game, we knew what we wanted to get done, already planned out. Matt Files has been with me since uh, the last few stops we've had. Uh, he was at Georgia. He was in, we were at the Falcons in Atlanta um, at one time back all the way a long time ago. Um, we spent the last few years uh, in, in a same type of structure in the fourth quarter program that goes back to Don James and, and, and Alabama and Georgia and when we we're at Oregon. And so he knows kind of how we want to do things in the offseason. Um, we just we, we really ramp our guys up, man. It's, it's really structured. Um, there's a lot of gains to be made in the offseason in our program. Uh, guys spend the entire summer here. Um, they feed here. They, they eat here. They stay here. They're together. Uh, they've got um, a college version of OTAs all summer that they run. It's player-led. Um, so it's a really, really uh, structured offseason for us, and, and we saw that come. We saw the fruit through that labor in training camp because guys were, were clicking, man, and they looked apart.
1: They the the Fatita Sports Complex and the combination with the Legion, now that you get on the road and recruit and you talk to players, has it hit them all? I mean, was it a story in the beginning that you really had a sell, and now when you go and sit down with players and future players who are going to play for the Rebels here, what is what are those conversations like?
6: Yeah, the Fertitta Complex is such a huge piece. I mean, that's the piece that, that lured me here initially uh, from from Oregon after the Rose Bowl. I mean, that, to see that investment, that commitment that the city and the school made uh, and the Fertitta family um, really, really uh, got me attracted. That attracted the, the, the type of coaches we've got from NFL Predigree to, to, to the most advanced uh, coaches in, you know, in, the, in the country, in my opinion. And so that you know, put the right people in the building. You encompass that with a $2 billion Allegiant Stadium at your home field. And you've changed – I mean, holistically, the infrastructure of a college football program, and so to have that um, as part of what you bring, of what you use to attract certain players, um, you can totally change it, 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 the way your roster looks if you do it the right way. So we're we're really aggressive. Um, guys have responded well to this city, to the Fertitta Complex, our coaches, our plan, our process that we brought, um, Allegiant Stadium. I mean, that all this stuff goes hand in hand, and and now we're just excited about the process of building this thing the right way.
1: Coach, I want to share with the Virgin audience your career path. But going back to a little boy when you started to watch football and you started to see coaches as a player and coaches, walk us through the early years in your career as a kid out of high school when you were thinking about college and who were the coaches you were looking up to at the time.
6: Yeah, so if you go way back and you got to get back in your archives to, to understand this one and back in your Rand McNow maps to know kind of where, you know, I'm from a town of 1,000 people up in Northern California, uh, a little town called Colfax, California, right between, uh, or just short, just short of Truckee um, up in the mountains. you got one stoplight town, man um but right below that about 15 minutes in the in the 80s and 90s uh there's a town rockland california and that's where the uh, san francisco niners did their uh, did their training, training camps camp for years and, and and coach walsh was there for years well sierra college is where they had it at all our parents and stuff they were all teachers and educators well they worked not in colfax they worked down down the hill and uh you know a lot of them a few of them worked at sierra college and were teachers and one of my best friends buddies uh, dads was the uh women's heads basketball coach, another one was the P instructor, another one was a science teacher. And So we were down at Sierra College a lot. We grew up uh, watching, watching Bill, being the ball boy for some of those guys, running on the field. I mean, that was kind of – little did we know at that time really what we were doing. It was just a cool place to see some of the pros we watched on TV on, on a Sunday and the Jerry Rices and the John Taylors and Joe Montanas and Bill Walsh and McPherson's of the world. And, and to hear some of those – I call them teachers because the way that that group taught was different. And I, I realize that now. The way they talked to their guys – was different. And I think that as I've gotten older and got a chance to really uh, be fortunate and humbled by, you know, meeting, you know, Coach Gruden and the guys later and and Mariucci's and guys who've been on that staff and worked with that tree to hear them all talk now and kind of talk the same way. It's funny how it rubbed off on almost anybody that was around that group. Um, And so there's such an appreciation for having grown up there and just have been around it. And then that moved forward, you know, through the years of coaching and playing, played for an NFL guy in college and had some of the same nomenclature and terms. And and then that moved on to, you know, Coach Tedford and, 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 and the Oregon crew tree with, with Cutter and Peterson. And then it went on to, you know, another tree of Don James and, and his crew at Washington and some of those guys that filtered off that went on to be Sabins and Gary Pinkles. And, and so, I mean, I'm no different than probably a lot of guys who've done this since – you know, for 20 years since you're 22 years old right when you got into it. And I had a a really fortunate opportunity to meet all those people at a certain time when uh, I could get into the business and be a fly on the wall in a ton of places and travel a lot and go see those guys and learn and try to articulate the best I could. uh, Uh, what exactly they were getting done and what I want to do.
1: So it sounds like, Coach, you've taken a lot from all these coaches, but it goes to Bill Walsh and Don James. When you sit there and you put together a game plan or you're sitting down in a private moment, are one of those coaches always in your ear? Is there a notebook or something that you look back on when you're trying to prepare for a specific opponent? You say, wow, that's the coach (laughs) who would have given me this advice on this day.
6: I I think that's probably all of us. You you spend so much time and you spend – I mean, it's nauseating. People, you spend sixteen, seventeen hours a day working under under the, at the same at the same thing over and over and over for seven days a week. I mean, you get called crazy. We are. I mean, you learn to kind of talk to yourself in the same ways you heard talked over and over and over in every situation. It's 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 really Groundhog Day for for coaches in all ways. It's the same calendar every year, over and over. It's the same situations in football. It's the same positions. It's and so yeah. I mean, I, I catch myself a ton whether I'm saying something about. You know, from Jeff Tedford, the quarterbacks. Or I'm saying something from from Coach Walsh's books that you see everyone talking about. You know, and you got to behave like champions before you're champions. And I'm telling this team that all the time. And it's written on the walls in that in that building. You know, and um, it does echo a lot. I think no, I'm no different than anybody else, man. When you grow up and you're that you're that infatuated and you're that uh, moved by the way certain people do things, I think that you have you, you, you inadvertently and unsub- you know, unconsciously start to take on mannerisms or words or or, uh, manifestations that you think are you know you, you think they're all glory and all, all your own they're not man they're, they're someone else's and you learned how to organize whether it's using the fourth quarter program in the off season, whether it's using a, a Don James rubric for how to break down a recruit or whether it's using you know a way to organize your call sheet and, and see guys and study guys call sheets from the west coast offense or whether it's the read sheets and how to teach quarterbacks their drops and footwork and timing and, and rhythm pass game and To this day, I use, there's something of all the things I just named, there's something right now in in our program I do. That, had, that goes all the way back to all
1: that. So where you're at in the calendar now is we're focusing on your team, I just want to ask you as the Patriots come out here mm-hmm. next week for the two practices <laughs> yeah. and the game, as we record this, the Raiders are in Miami, and I'm thinking about Josh McDaniels, and I'm really getting to know Dave Ziegler good, and yeah. I know this game's important, and oh, they yeah. got to figure out the offensive line with all those combinations, which I'll get back to, but in the back of their mind, they're thinking of those two-day practices that are coming, and as you know, Carolina and New England brawled last week. Oh, yeah. What is that now where... The practices almost mean more in the NFL than the game when the starters aren't going to play. How you get that much out of those two days?
6: Yeah, I mean those are those are huge, man. I there's there's a couple different I know you know probably conversations in that in the end, yeah. Josh and going back with with Bill. I mean I was fortunate to be around those guys uh, for a couple different sessions in off season and, and visit those guys, Josh and Dave and and Coach Belichick when. Um, New England came to San came out to the West Coast for a swing back-to-back years when I was a coach in San Jose. They'd stay with us, and uh, Coach Tomey and Coach Belichick were really close. They stayed out there, and I got to be a fly in the wall for two years. So I saw those guys articulate things, and Coach, that was pretty special. So I know those two teams for two days is going to be really pivotal. I think they're going to get a ton of stuff done. Um, the roster change they have to make right now is so crucial, especially right now in these next coming weeks. To be able to evaluate those guys down the roster, uh, inside and out, and to be able to get the exact lineups they want um, is something special, man. It's something to be, I, I I love seeing it. Um, when I had a chance to be around it, it was it was amazing, man. To see those guys articulate the roster in such a finite Uh, perspective is is pretty special, man, and I know those two days that these guys are going to get together are huge, especially right now, because it's going to get, it gets real slim real fast.
1: Uh, You were talking about the grinder, and I want to go back to your personal life. I met your lovely wife at the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, and uh, you have a grounded, great personal life. How do you balance this all with this insane schedule where we are on the calendar and getting ready to start the season?
6: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really fortunate to have a really good home life and a good, and a good foundation at home um, with my family. I mean, they've been, They've been there since the jump. They've seen it. We've, we've traveled all over the country. We've been at every level. Um, they understand this is the life we live, and I think that uh, the, the older I've got, the better I've got at that balance. I think I, I be, I'll be honest and with like probably many, and I, I didn't do a good job early on because it's just really hard, and you're young, and you're so passionate, and you're burning the 16-, 17-, 18-hour days and grinding away on film until you realize you're you know it's 3 in the morning and you probably should take a nap. Um, so... Uh, I think that just having uh, having that perspective, um, you know, we've had some things happen that were really fortunate and different than many in, in our life with, our, with with some kids and home life that made me uh, open my eyes to taking some more time. And I think that that's, uh, that's been really good. Um, it's been unfortunate in some, in some cases, but I think good for us overall. But uh, like many, it's, it's a tough profession. It's very vagabond. It's military life. Yeah. And, and having a good a good solid uh, foundation was a really a vital thing for us.
1: Last two. First, what does yeah. this property mean? You pop over here from time to time, it's not too far yeah. from campus. You have friends, you have people in town and family, you gotta take them to a dinner, you gotta take them out there, show them some entertainment. What do you like about Virgin Hunter? Yeah, Hotels? man, I was
6: fired up when they got here. I mean, I, I met Boz, I met I met a uh, couple guys that work here, Gary Scott. i met, you know, one steakhouse yeah. is awesome. JOD Um JOD's fantastic, man. I mean, this is this is legit. We use it for recruiting, it's across the way, it's a big deal for us. We got a ton of recruits that stay here, our families stay here, uh, they wow. did just an incredible job of uh, integrating the city and, and being something that's fresh and new and vibrant, um, and so we jumped right on it. When we first, when they first got here, I walked in and basically started trying to meet anybody I could to say. If we, could, uh, if we could start a relationship. And, and they've been fantastic to us. They, they're one of our core sponsors for our camp. Um, actually, our football camp, which was the last two years, has been unbelievable. Last year was one of the largest on the West Coast. so um, They're a great relationship we've got and we'll continue to use.
1: Coach, last one, your message to the fan base here. Even the non-Rebel fans who are jumping in right now, what are your expectations with that beautiful stadium, the great student athletes that you have, and what you can do to get the fans involved?
6: Yeah, I mean, obviously we've got to put out a good product, but I think uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you've got any interest in, in, in local and and, and community uh, programs, I mean, our program right now is as is, is exciting for us and internally as, as it's ever been, in my opinion. I think we're, we're really excited about this second second training camp, what we've built, who we've got coming, the process we've made, um, being part of this city at this time for me is really special, man. It, it fires me up, man. This place is, I can't believe how fired up we are to be here. And, 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 and I know our kids are fired up to play at Allegiant. Um, any opportunity, guys, get out to come see us. we got a bunch of afternoon games, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and so I think you know getting get to a place in the Mountain West where this place is packed in Allegiant and it's, it's one of the toughest places to play, it'd be really fun. Thanks for doing this, Coach.
1: It means a lot. It. Appreciate you it. Thank yeah. you. All right, there's Marcus Arroyo, head coach of UNLV football. I would greatly appreciate it, and I think he would too if he showed up for these games at Allegiant Stadium. And they got a game coming up this Saturday. And, you know, the Raiders are playing on Friday, and it's a great opportunity for kids in town to go see quality football, Division I football, get the Allegiant Stadium experience, and back Rebel football. So we hope the best for Coach Arroyo. He's worked really hard. They brought in better players. I think with the stadium and the practice facility, they're on the right track. And his coaching tree from Bill Walsh, Bill Walsh to Don James to John Gruden to all the coaches that he worked with, the Patriots, when he was an assistant there, a graduate assistant, whatever the title was at that time, that's a great coaching tree. Marcus Arroyo, then he's the offensive coordinator for Justin Herbert at Oregon. He's had a hell of a run, and he took this job, and this job needed work, just like the coach before him and the coach before that one. It needs work. But now with name, image, and likeness and an opportunity to possibly get better players and be able to get them some money, with name, image, and likeness and give them the Vegas experience? Maybe they start to turn the corner now. I really hope so. Reggie in North Las Vegas says the Patriots are in town, and I know that because one of their beat writers is listening to us right now as he's coming to lunch with me. JT,
4: let them know I don't care. It's all about these writers, baby. I don't care who comes to town. I don't know why they come to town. We got to learn to just get down, period. I don't care who they are. And right now with this stuff going on with our O-line, at the beginning of the year, January, somewhere in January, I called in and I said, no matter what happens, we have to address this old line so the line could be just as uh, formidable as our defense. And we ain't there. And it's, it, it makes me nervous, but I know this. The coaching, the leadership, all of them, they know more than I do. Mm-hmm. They see it more than I do. So I can't sit here and say I'm worried. I do want to say this. That's the one area that I had concern with going out of the year last year, and we still haven't addressed it yet. So I just hope our O-line can step up and show up because the rest of the team looks really nice to me, JT. I'm going to see you out there for this week's game. I'm going to try to see you for every home game that I can see you. If I don't see you in the stadium, I'm going to see you in the J-lot Raider Nation, stand up, show up, and matter of fact, let's show up and and support the UNLV Rebels. That's a team that I want to support. I'll be at some of those games as well. JT, I can't wait to see you in person, man. Let Bobby know. I know he's doing a good job. I appreciate the both of y'all.
1: Thank you. yeah, well, this is going no, to be a fun Friday night. I'll be down on the field during the game. I'm excited about what I'll see and what I'll be doing with the alumni. Uh, so if you get there for halftime, well, I know you'll be there for halftime, but get there early, see Eric Allen and I at the Torch. I'm sure we're going to have some special guests there, and that, that's going to be cool. Can cannot wait. You know, over the years, the Raiders would have their alumni weekend in Napa. Come on, you can't beat Napa for alumni weekend. We'd be going to these insane i'm talking amazing vineyards and have wine and unbelievable food and all the alumni are there and they have dancing and music and now they have it in vegas and they have training camp here in vegas if you spent that much money on a training facility and you have that much juice in this town with restaurants and all that they do it here which i miss napa my wife and i will have to go to napa on our own but great memories there and then we're making good memories here in Vegas. Dino in Rochester. How you been, my friend? What's going on, Dino? Good, JT. How are you today? Doing well, thanks.
2: Oh, with this latest uh, news about Drake coming, uh, going to mm-hmm. be being released, I, I, I can't help but look back on this epic failure of Gruden. This, the decisions this guy made are going to haunt this team for a while, and I'm glad they got a professional unit in there now with these guys running the t- running the team because the depths of what his moves were were just awful. If I could go over a few of them, just a few. Khalil Mack trade. Would anybody be surprised if he hurts us in a game this year for the Chargers? The guy can still play, Mm. and at the time, Gruden said he couldn't pay two players top dollar. Meanwhile, teams like the Rams and Chargers have six and seven guys making huge money at the top of their position. Traded a three and a five for A.B. That was a disaster. Traded a three for Martavis Bryant signed uh, Jason Witten and didn't play Foster Moreau. Witten had about 13 catches. That was his buddy from Monday Night Football. That didn't work out too well. All his free agent signings, Trent Brown, Corey Littleton, Malik Collins, he said it was an elite player, the key to the defense. The guy never showed up. Pete, these are all first, second, and third picks. P.J. Hall, Brandon Parker, Arden Key, Farrell, Jacobs, Abram, none of them got their, their options picked up, Their their fifth-year option. Mullen is underwhelmed so far. 2020 was maybe the worst draft in the history. Rugs over Justin Jefferson. Damon Arnett, who I know for a fact, Raiders, some people working for the Raiders told them no, to stay away, stay away from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lynn Bowden never made the team. Didn't even make it out of training camp. Brian Edwards already shipped out. Tanner Muse traded up a three to get him. Never played a down for the Raiders. Now Leatherwood looks like he's a bust. This guy... If, a, if there was ever a guy that the game passed by, it was Gruden. And it's all due to his ego. He always thought he was smarter than everybody else. And he, the exact opposite. He has no clue. I'm happy now that we got McDaniels in there. I'm not trying to be a downer. But this guy has... Th- thank God those emails came out. Because he would have sunk this franchise to depths that have never been seen before. Just an awful, awful regime when he was in there. I couldn't be happier he's gone.
1: Yeah, I, you know... how. Tight, I've been with Coach Gruden. I appreciate the call, so I'm not going to take shots at him the way you did. But you made a lot of good points on the players they swung and missed on, and they swung and missed on a lot of them, a lot of them over these couple of years, especially Damon Arnett. I don't know how that guy got through an interview and was able to come and play for this team. But, you know, you want to give credit to Hunter Renfro and Max Crosby and some of the other good players that are here. Uh, Decisions for A.J. Cole, Carlson, you know, not all of it was as bad as you said, but yeah, if you want to go player by player and the amount of equity and draft equity that is no longer here, and the players that didn't perform well, that was a strong laundry list of players who didn't pan out and still haven't panned out in this league. Seven oh two three six five ninety two hundred. When we come back we'll wrap it up. We'll tell you what we got lined up for tomorrow, which is a real busy show tomorrow. Excited to be in the building for that. And then we'll come back and tell you what's gonna happen the rest of the week inside Raider Nation. You want to be football and the Aces. So, you want to be football has a home game. The Raiders have a home game. The Aces have a home game. And we'll wait for the Golden Knights. JT, right here on Salmon Ash. That's why I'm on the radio, because Salmon Ash injury law. They put me here because you deserve what's right.
4: New trend alert. Tell me something honest.
2: Tuck rule game against the Raiders.
4: Might have been a fumble.
1: Tom Brady on the tuck rule might have been a fumble. I'm Starting to get a good feel for Tom Brady. Was he interested in the Raiders? Was he interested in Miami? One thing we know about Tom Brady is he wanted to get out of New England. Wanted to get out of New England after winning six Super Bowls. He won a seventh with Tampa Bay, which he was already the greatest quarterback of all time with six, going to Tampa Bay, and he could have went to Las Vegas, according to Dana White and Gronk. He wouldn't have won that Super Bowl with the Raiders that year. That's my opinion. Raiders weren't as good as Tampa Bay, both on the offensive line and the entire defense. But what could have happened if Brady stayed the entire time? If he played in 2000, uh, 2020, 2021, and the Raiders had him again for this year, It didn't happen, so we can put this behind us. Big topic nationally more so than Raider Nation, I'll tell you that. It's a big Tom Brady topic around the country today, but I think Raider fans are kind of more focused on Leatherwood, the offensive line rotations, the Patriots being in town, and I completely understand that. Baker Mayfield will be the starter for Carolina. That was easy to predict when it happened. He's a good quarterback. He gives Carolina, I think, a better chance to win. And the rest of the news out there, Chargers didn't look great in the preseason. And Denver hasn't looked great in the preseason. Raiders of 3-0 and in the preseason has had some pretty good. Yeah, they've had good spots. They've had really good spots in the preseason. And it looks like Mitchell Trubisky is close to losing his job to Kenny Pickett. I don't know. Trubisky has played okay at 108.5. I, I look at Pickett. Pickett. Last game, 19-22 for 171 yards, 138.6 rating. That's a real quarterback controversy. Raiders traded Nick Mullins, and it looks like, according to Tom Pellicero, they're going to release Kenyon Drake. A Q will have more of an update on that and more breaking news, as he always does. I'll see you tomorrow from the Raider facility. Thanks to Bobby for the show, Miles Simmons, and the head coach of UNLV, Marcus Arroyo. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. We be